Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Well, my fellow Met fans, uh, we were not ready for this. We were not ready for a December-breaking news story that features a catastrophic injury. You want to tell me it's the middle of March? We got that lesson last year. You want to tell me it's the middle of the season? We get that basically every year. But to get catastrophic Mets injury news in the middle of December, a couple of weeks before Christmas, feels cruel. But as cruel as it was for me and you and everybody listening, it's obviously 100 times worse for Ronnie Mauricio. Ronnie Mauricio has torn his ACL. The Mets haven't said he's out for the year, but let's not kid ourselves. He's out for the season. You tear your ACL, you're out for probably a calendar year, maybe 10, 11 months. That is not conducive to Ronnie Mauricio playing baseball for the Mets in 2024. And look, it sucks. It just sucks. And I I remember getting the message a few days ago in the Mets text chat I'm in because we always share Ronnie Mauricio videos. You know, Ronnie Mauricio went three for three in winter ball. Ronnie Mauricio committed three errors at third base. Ronnie Mauricio farted on the dugout bench. Like anything Ronnie Mauricio does in winter ball, we always share these videos. And so I saw this video the other day of him obviously trying to steal second base, stopping on a dime, and then collapsing to the ground. And I hate to admit, my first reaction was, all right, ankle injury. He's out for the winter ball year, but no big deal. It's the middle of December. He'll be ready to go. And I kind of saw it, and it didn't scare me. And what a schmuck I am. I mean, seriously, it should have scared me because as a day went by, and then you get the report, he's coming to New York, they're going to give him an MRI, you start to fear the worst. And the thing I feared was something that could keep him out for the entirety of the season. Any other injury, whether it's a three-month injury or a two-week injury or a four-month injury, at least you could say, all right, it sucks. Who wants to deal with that? But you can get yourself back in March and April. Maybe you missed the first month of the season. The torn ACL was the scariest thing. And the torn ACL was the one injury we didn't want to hear an update on. 
And you know what's kind of funny? It's not funny, but I guess sort of weird is that I may have mentioned this on the radio show. I may have mentioned this on the Rico. Tiki Barber has joined the Mets text chat. He's now a part of this Mets text chat. So he watches this interaction. And so I'm sitting in my office before Tuesday's show, and all of a sudden Tiki looks up and says, yeah, Evan, got some bad news. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he read the message before I read the message that Ronnie Mauricio was out for the season. So I got the news broken by uh, Tiki Barber. Didn't make me feel better. Look, the, the situation just sucks. Am I going to scream and yell about winter ball and that Ronnie Mauricio shouldn't have been there? No. I didn't do it for the World Baseball Classic. I'm certainly not going to do it for winter ball. It's just unfortunate. And I guess we could scream at the moon and scream at the clouds and wonder what we've done to deserve this life of being cursed. But I do not have anger towards the Mets allowing Mauricio to play in the Dominican Winter League, nor Ronnie's decision to play in the Winter League. Guys do it all the time. Guys do it every year. There's obviously a lot of positive you can take out of it, including the fact that Ronnie was going to play third base this season and maybe learn the position a lot more and come into spring training really ready for that competition based on the play in winter ball. So I'm not mad at the Mets, nor am I mad at Ronnie. It's just unfortunate. It's just, it's unfortunate for him. It's unfortunate for us as Met fans who wanted to watch this kid play baseball. And obviously it changes our view of third base for this team. Now, do you disagree, Pete? Are you anti-winter ball because of something like this, like the WBC? No, 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 no. And last year, I love the fact that Mauricio killed it there. I was happy to see him doing it again. He was doing I mean, dude, he had that epic bat, bat flip or bat toss. Like, it was just – it's really cool to see him play as much as possible and it gets you excited for the regular season. Listen, I think your point right here is the biggest issue about what to, how to pivot, but I have one bigger issue than that. How the hell am I not on this freaking Mets chain? There's a reason why you're not on the Mets chain. It's a very good reason that most people listening will nod their head and say makes a lot of sense. You're a greenie, okay? That means when you send a text message, it's green because you don't have Apple. And because you don't have Apple, we will not allow someone who isn't blue in our text chat. And that is why, Pete Hoffman, you have been banned until you improve your phone situation. When so, you do that, you're welcome. So you're telling me you'll take a, a, a Yankee fan over a Mets fan that just doesn't have an Apple phone? Yes. The Apple oh phone is uh, the non-Apple phone is a deal breaker. Well, then I'm I'm never going to be part of this chat, and I'm okay oh, with come it. Come on, come on, dude! Everybody knows somebody in a text chat that's green, and you ruin it for everybody. You just got to go blue. That's the one rule we've had. We've had a lot of people that we have considered letting join this text chat, and the deal breaker is if you're green. If you're a greenie, you're out. If you're blue, you got a shot. We may allow you in. All right, so let's get to the pivot. Obviously, we all feel bad for Ronnie. I don't think we should think he's going to play in 2024. Hopefully, he comes back in 2025, and he could still have a great future for this team and still have a great career. So we are certainly not dunning Ronnie Mauricio for his major league career, but we're going to forget about him. <laughs> let's be perfectly honest. A year and a half's going to go by. We're going to go into spring training 2025 and say, who? Who's this guy? But hopefully, he comes back better than ever. So my gut feeling is that the Mets are going to do nothing. 
That's my gut feeling. My gut feeling is they're going to look at the competition and say, we've got Joey Wendell. We have Mark Vientos. We have Brett Beatty. Let's go. And the hope is going to be Brett Beatty can bounce back from what was really a dreadful 2023 and take that job. And I hope Brett Beatty does bounce back. But my gut tells me the Mets aren't going to do anything. I think the Mets should do something because, and we've talked about this even before the Mauricio injury went down. You have yourself, in my opinion, three holes in this lineup. You have left field, you have third base, and you have designated hitter. Those are three legitimate holes. I can rationalize Starling Marte as the everyday right fielder thinking, ah, maybe he stays healthy. You got to have depth, but okay, you want to pencil him in as the everyday right fielder and hope he gets back to the form of 2022. Fine. Obviously, Nimmo in center, Alonzo at first, McNeil at second, Lindor at shortstop, Alvarez behind the plate. We all feel good about it. But you have three positions that you have holes at. I was okay with viewing third base, and we did a whole podcast about third base, and I think our conclusion was just let there be a competition. You've got three options, really two, in Ronnie Mauricio and Brett Beatty. Improve in left field, improve at DH, but stick at third base. And hopefully one of these young guys, maybe multiple guys, bust through and they're productive for this lineup. Now you've taken away the real competition at third base and you still have a hole in left field and you still have a hole at DH. What's beautiful about adding a potential third baseman, let's say it is Justin Turner on a one-year deal, a guy we talked about during that third base podcast, you're not eliminating Brett Beatty from third base. Because Justin Turner can DH. So you need to add a bat. If that bat is going to spend a lot of time at third base, fine. If that bat is going to be a majority of the time at designated hitter, fine. If that guy's going to be a left fielder, fine. But I think right now, going into opening day, you can't have what we currently have at left field, third base, and DH. I couldn't even tell you right now, looking at the 40-man, Who would even fill those roles? You want to say DJ Stewart would be the left fielder? You want to say DJ Stewart would be the DH? You want to say Joey Wendell would be the third baseman and Brett Beatty would be the DH? Like they legitimately need major league bats and preferably two of them. So I think you go back to the discussion we had a few weeks ago and you say, all right, who's available at third base? I'm not interested in Matt Chapman. I'm not suggesting the Mets should go out and throw some kind of crazy contract at Matt Chapman. I don't think that would be the best idea. But Justin Turner on a one-year contract is something that's worthy of thinking about. He's worthy of thinking about it because, A, he's going to get a one-year deal. He's not getting a multi-year contract. Number two, he continues to be a productive offensive player. He hasn't shown that he's falling apart. He hasn't shown that he's aging. And I think it's just an easy move to make, an easy signing. And if Brett Beatty emerges and ends up taking the third base job, Justin Turner can DH. That's why it's almost like you're adding a bat. If the guy ends up playing a lot of third base, whatever. If the guy ends up DHing, whatever. I mean, you have options to kind of fill either role. Because I, I would agree that ideally, we are sitting here in August and September talking about Brett Beatty as the everyday third baseman. That's how I would like to see things play out, but you can't be certain it's going to play out that way because Beatty was so bad last year. What's your insurance policy if it doesn't? I think Turner just 
feels like the easiest move to make. I don't think he's going to call it's again, it's a one-year deal. So what are we talking about? 17, 18 million dollars a year, kind of in that range. Where would you go, Pete? Because that's my gut. My gut is get me the insurance policy at third. It doesn't block third base because Turner could end up DHing and Beatty could end up being the third baseman. But my gut feeling after this injury is Turner seems like the easy answer. All right. So this is gonna sound like a stupid question. What's the goal of the season? To win. Win and develop. Okay. You want to okay. win, you want to develop uh, some of your young players, but ultimately we want to win. Okay, so if we're going to try to win, Evan Turner is nice. Justin Turner, Justin. not the crappy basketball player. I'm sorry, I'm talking to, talking to Evan Roberts. <laughs> Ohio <thinking>. State Buckeye, <laughs> Evan Turner. Justin Turner is nice, but the one guy that they should get is Alex Bredman. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Come on. I, no, 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 no. Hear me out on this. Because you, you got Mark Vientos, and I apologize for the singing in the background if you hear it. Every, I don't know what's going on upstairs, but it, it, I had to relocate again, and it's chaos right now. That being said, Mark Vientos, I know, is working his ass off right now with the door. I kind of like that, but he's still not a good defensive third baseman, and you can't trust him. Brett Beatty, I'm sorry, he's unreliable right now. Th- that's going to be a whole old year long. If what the... What are the Astros looking for for Bregman? Do we know that? No. I mean, honestly, for a team that's trying to win right now, I, I would assume they're looking for help at the major league level instead of restocking their farm system. Okay. So do we have surplus of anything that we can give up? I think so. <sighs> this is not a knock on Alex Bregman because obviously if you add Alex Bregman to this lineup and he's your long-term answer at third base, assuming you could re-sign him, I'm certainly not complaining about it. but. We really want to go through the trade market. We really want to go through taking this farm system and giving up multitudes of players, I assume, for a guy who's a one-year rental. And by one-year rental, that doesn't mean he's definitely gone. Like when I use that phrase about Juan Soto, Yankee fans think that means he's definitely gone. It's not that he's definitely gone. It's that he is for now a rental. And then he's a free agent, and then anybody could sign him. So... Alex Bregman, it's not that I'm knocking him as an option. I remember we had an email about him a few weeks ago, and my first reaction was, is he available? And I'm still skeptical that he is available. But even if he is, free agent at the end of the year, Astros are trying to win. Like, what do we, what kind of package are we talking about? And so you asked that question. You said, what, what's the goal of the season? The goal is to win, and the goal is to remain long-term flexible. That's why guys on one-year deals do both. If you sign Justin Turner and J.D. Martinez tomorrow, let's make an announcement. They have added Justin Turner and J.D. Martinez on one-year deals. Aren't you doing exactly what I just said? You're remaining flexible because you're not locking yourself into long-term deals, and you can't tell me a team that adds those guys aren't trying to win. Of course you're trying to win. You just improved your lineup greatly. Yeah, but we've seen that. Now, listen, take take this. We just did this with the same example except the pitchers. We went Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, two older pitchers who backfired. So now we're going to go for two more older bats. Yes. Who, who they have, I mean, besides Justin Turner, J.D. Martinez, we know, has has injury issues. He's wait, got wait, back wait, issues. So you don't want to go after these guys because Verlander and Scherzer didn't work out? What no. What would one but- have to do with the other? It's the uh, the risk reward thing again. Like we've we've already been there before. Let's let's What's maybe the go- risk. The risk is you signed a guy to a one year deal, and he doesn't do anything for us again. And we just okay. wasted. Then you I move know, on, right? But I but, but again, 
Evan, the one thing I can't take any more of is losing. And if our big move in this offseason is J.D. Martinez, I might blow a gasket. I, what, what did you want the big move to be? By the way, I don't even know if the Mets are going to get that move. Like, it may be a lot less than that, which means your gasket's going to blow more. But what was your expectation? Like, to me, signing guys of that ilk to one-year deals, if you weren't going to get Otani, and more on that later, because obviously I got a lot of feedback from people mad at me for my opinion on Otani and Steve Cohen. So we'll address that a little bit later on. Apparently, Pete Hoffman's going to turn face in this because he's going to be the people's champion mad at me too. So that's coming up a little bit later on the Rico Bronya. But what's the issue with bringing guys in on short-term deals who are good? Unfortunately, Pete, I can't hear you. I think you muted yourself by accident. So why don't you oh, that, try that's again? Just, that's, that's true. I'm sorry. I'm trying to block <laughs> out everything that's going on upstairs. No, here's the problem is, though, Ev, we've gone through, and, and for me, maybe it's just the me thing, but after having 77 wins last year, going through bringing in older people, I don't think that, I understand you're saying it's just a one-year deal, but you're telling me there's no one better than an old J.D. Martinez, an old Justin Turner, I'm sorry, that's not going to be beneficial for this team. They need more than that to get back to winning. Well, first of all, first of all, of the guys that are available in free agency, instead of giving stupid contracts out to guys who are a little bit younger, like I don't want to say giving Jorge Soler a three-year deal is dumb, but I'd rather give J.D. Martinez a one-year deal and then kind of we go after it next year, depending on how my young players develop, depending on who becomes available via trade or free agency. I'd rather do that than lock guys in a longer term deals because they're a little bit younger. Like I'd rather go after the veteran guy. And so Justin Turner, JD Martinez were just two examples I'm using. They make a lot of sense and they accomplish the goal of what you asked, which is what do you want to do next year? I want to win, but I also want to be smart. And the other thing I also want to do is I want to give Brett Beatty a chance. Like, I'm not burying Brett Beatty. I'm merely saying you have to protect yourself in case Brett Beatty's a disaster. You can't go into next season with having no safety net for the fact that Brett Beatty may be bad again. So the beauty to me of adding a guy like Turner is that let's say Beatty tears it up in spring training. Let's say Beatty tears it up in April. He can play. He's not getting blocked by Justin Turner. So I think there's this balancing act of, can you add veteran guys that improve this lineup without blocking some of the younger players that you're developing? And that's why short-term deals on veteran guys make the most sense. If you added those two guys, JD and Justin Turner, and it probably wouldn't be both guys because it defeats the purpose of not blocking Brett Beatty because Turner and JD can't DH at the same time. And if Beatty takes the third base job, you can't DH both guys at the same time. So you're probably looking for a guy that could play the outfield as well. You've put together a pretty good lineup. To go along with what you already have, you're replacing the production of Vogel back at DH. You're replacing the non-production at third base because in this kind of discussion we're having, Brett Beatty is putting it all together. Like You've improved that lineup. So I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Obviously, the pitching continues to be a main focus right now, especially as we wait 
on Yamamoto. And my confidence in Yamamoto is like at 2%. I have to be perfectly honest with you. I I do not feel good that they're going to end up with Yoshinabu Yamamoto. And I have a few reasons why. Number one, he's meeting with everybody. And I think the more the Mets get compared to every other team in baseball, you start to ask yourself, well, what do we have to offer besides the most money? Is Yamamoto going to look at this roster and say, I have a better chance to win with the Mets than I do the Dodgers? I have a better chance to win with the Mets than I do the Yankees? Like, I'm not sure that's going to happen. So I hope Cohen makes the highest offer. I think there's an expectation from all of us that he better make the highest offer. But even the highest offer doesn't guarantee you anything. And that's why we've talked about it before. We have to think about where do you pivot? Where do you go? But just getting back to third base real quick. I would not feel comfortable going into spring training simply saying, Beatty, Vientos, Wendell, let's go. I think you need to do more. I think you need to protect yourself. The Mets don't even believe in Mark Vientos as a third baseman. They don't. They don't think he's any good defensively. I would feel good about adding a third baseman and giving Vientos and Beatty that opportunity to DH. Again, you add a third baseman, though, you could end up flipping the two, like I said earlier, with Turner, but they need to protect themselves. We are sitting in the middle of December, and quite frankly, they have three positions they need to fill. Left field, third base, and DH. And we haven't heard peep about them filling any of it. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The other thing I thought about the other day in kind of debating the whole, hey, if they don't get Yamamoto, where do you go? It made me think back to something I said in late July. I was very strongly opinionated that it was going to be a mistake to make a certain move that they did. And then once they made the move, you make peace with it and you start to say, boy, that was smart. But as we sit here in the middle of December, I think back to the discussion we had around Justin Verlander. 
And that discussion was, I get trading Max, kind of damaged goods at this point. You got Luis Angel Acuna back. I think I got his pronunciation right from the last Rico. Okay, fine. But if you trade Verlander too, how do you replace him? That was my biggest issue back in July. You can get some great prospects back, and hopefully those prospects turn out to be something, and we will see with Drew Gilbert what he turns into and Ryan Clifford. So no offense to those guys, but how do you replace Justin Verlander? Well, guess what? How differently would we feel about this team if Verlander was still here? If Scherzer was the one who was gone? And right now, we were looking at a rotation of Quintana, Senga, Verlander, Severino. One more arm, you feel pretty good about the rotation. You get Yamamoto, that's an elite rotation. Because Verlander still had something. Unlike Scherzer, Verlander wasn't showing signs of major decline. Now, I admit what I'm saying is very short-sighted. Because Drew Gilbert can become a star. Ryan Clifford can become a star. but. The reason I bring this up is it reminded me of why I was against trading Verlander. I was against trading Verlander because you are now going to need to replace another starting pitcher. Well, guess what? We're sitting here in the middle of December. They've added one starting pitcher, and we're all racking our brain to figure out how the hell they're going to fill two if they don't get their number one target in Yoshinabu Yamamoto. So ask yourself this. Just ask it. Would we have been better off if we didn't make the Verlander trade? Not long-term, I admit that, because you got two young prospects that could turn out to be stars. But in terms of viewing even the next two years, even 2025, include that, wouldn't they have been better off in building a rotation having him still here? The answer is yes and no. I admit that. The yes is yes, it'd be easier to build a rotation. The no would be, but what about Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford and how great they can be? They may be great. They may not be. We'll find out. The problem is we may not find out this year. It may take a few years to find out. But my concern about trading Verlander remains true all these months later. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't have done it. That doesn't mean I regret it. But it does mean that the concern around trading Verlander exists right now today as the Mets look to build a rotation. Because whether they get Yamamoto or not, And we'll ask Pete if he's confident. I have no confidence. They need to add multiple starting pitchers. Yamamoto is meeting with multiple teams. We found out about Steve Cohen going to Japan a couple of weeks ago. The Yankees met with him on Monday. The Dodgers met with him on Tuesday. I think he's meeting with the Giants. He's meeting with the Red Sox. He's meeting with the Blue Jays. Hopefully, we'll get a decision in a week. Right now, my confidence level is at 2%. Where's yours on the Mets getting Yamamoto? 2% 2% is a little low. Um, <laughs> is it? I, I think so. Listen, I know the Dodgers, what they did with Otani is stupid right now, and I feel like they're just about to just sweep up everybody that's uh, elite, of which there's not many elite free agents out there, but I feel like they're about to do that. Um, I still think there's a, a huge chance the Mets can outbid anybody. That's the problem is. And it, will Steve Cohen decide to outbid everybody and what that's what he's gonna have to do it's gonna be about the money at the end of the day he's gonna have to go 350 maybe 375 for whatever how many years on a guy that we don't know how he's gonna pitch so i i will say this much am i 50 50 no i'm not 
But I would say I would put them in between 20, 25% that they'll still land Yamamoto. All right. Higher than me, still not that high. I mean, it's not an overwhelming confidence. You said when you're two. in your 20s. You said two. <laughs> Who's you said two? two? I thought you said 2%. I thought you said 2%. No, I'm at 2%. You're at 25%. It's not like That's, 25 is that high is my point. It's better than 2%, though. <laughs> That's my point. I don't know what's caused me to be so negative over the last week. And it's not like an overall negativity about the team. It was more the way the Otani thing went down. And even now with Yamamoto, maybe it's I'm around too many Yankee fans that are confident. And I'm watching the Dodgers bring down the Otani CBT to 45 million thinking, ah, they must have something up their sleeve. And maybe it's just looking at the Yankees and looking at the Dodgers and thinking, we're just not as good. So what's the appeal to him? Is the appeal pitching with Kodai Senga or is the appeal simply Cohen's going to overwhelm him with money? Cohen has to overwhelm him with money. And there's nothing wrong with that. I I will not complain about the overpay because I think sometimes when you're a franchise that's trying to change your past, you have to overpay. I used this example recently, but I think it's a good one, is when the Nationals grossly overpaid for Jason Worth. And when that contract first came out, people were critical saying, how could you pay Jason Worth all that money? And the thought was, well, the Nationals have to change the perception about them. And to get a free agent, not that Worth was a superstar, but he was a good player, you have to grossly overpay. So I think the Mets are in a spot where if you want to compete with the brand and even success of the New York Yankees, and you want to compete with the brand and certainly the success of the LA Dodgers, you got to pay a Met tax. And that's okay. So that's why I make that promise to everybody out there that I will not mock or complain about whatever contract they're forced to get Yamamoto if they're lucky enough to get Yamamoto. Now, we have a lot of emails of people mad at me for my opinion on Shohei Otani and Steve Cohen. So we will address them. But first, on a lighter note, Sean writes, I figured out a way to curse the New York Yankees. Ooh, Pete Hoffman's ears perked up. Tell me more. I'm sure as a fan of politics and history, you're familiar with George Santos and his ridiculous story. (laughs) I am. We are all familiar, I think, with George Santos, who just got thrown out of Congress. Two things. As you remember, prior to the 2023 season, he filmed a video saying, wearing a Mets jersey, in which he said, let's go Mets. By the way, we play that as a drop on Evan and Tiki. (laughs) If you've ever wondered or heard a let's go Mets drop, That drop is George Santos, so I'm definitely familiar with it. Many believe that this cursed the 2023 season. Even Mets players in the locker room supposedly believe that Santos cursed the Mets. Number two, George Santos is obviously no longer in Congress and now has been doing cameos. I believe if we can pay George Santos to make a Let's Go Yankees cameo, maybe include Juan Soto, we could sabotage their season. And wouldn't it be hilarious? Yes. Would it be a hilarious meme for baseball Twitter? Yes, it would. It's only $500 for a cameo. Thoughts on Hoff stepping up and paying for it. <laughs> well, how much does he cost, though? Let's be serious here. I'm not, not opposed to financial benefiting our, our, our team. You know, I, I, I could live with it. Is it like 500 for Santos? It's $500, yeah. Well, look at it well, this way. If... All of us put in $5. How many people would we need to pay off the 500 bucks? That's like 50 people. Is that what it is? 50 people? Uh, no. No, that doesn't add up correctly. Hold on no. a second. 
five carrots ten zero. People. No, ten people's fifty bucks. <laughs> so a hundred people. We need a hundred people at five dollars a head, and we're good for five hundred dollars. All right, so we should get a GoFundMe going on. <laughs> go so for me to get to get George Santos to just chant "Let's go Yankees." Yeah, <laughs> Sean, I have to tell you, it's a very, very good idea. Very good idea. Appreciate also the emails on the random Met game we should watch. I discussed on the last Rico that we will have a podcast re-watching game seven of the 06 NLCS due to popular demand, but then we should also pick a random game. So a lot of really good random games. Uh, let's get to the people mad at me about Otani. I know Pete was mad at me too. We'll start off with Rafael Vasquez. Rafael writes, Evan loved the Rico. You mentioned in the previous Rico, the Otani free agency and the Mets level of involvement. As a person who's worked at an agency, I was not an agent, nor did they have superstar clients. I just wanted to clarify a bit on how the process actually works, whether we as fans like the process or not. At the start of free agency, the agents get calls on players from teams interested. Agents then rely information of the players as they receive it. But in the meantime, the agent and the player have a pretty good understanding of what the player is looking for, whether it's just money, location, winning, or a combination of things. Out of the teams that are interested, assuming there's multiple teams, the player and agent then narrow down the teams and continue having conversations and start negotiating with those teams alone since they fit the player's criteria. Teams are not holding an auction for players. They don't just make blind offers, hoping the highest bidder wins. It truly takes two to tango. The fact that Steve Cohen did not make an offer is not surprising and is how business is done. If Steve or any other owner would just start blindly making offers, every agent would try to get an offer from Steve Cohen so they can use it as leverage with other teams. I'm sure the Mets made the call to see what Otani wanted, and if the agent never reached out to the richest owner, it was telling he was not concerned only about money, location, and winning matters more to Otani in this case. Fans should recalibrate their expectations that Cohen will get every free agent he targets simply because he has the most money. Will the Mets get more players than before, Cohen? Absolutely. But players truly make these decisions thinking of their families, their futures, and a host of other factors. I truly believe in Steve Cohen, and my confidence in him has only strengthened since the hiring of David Stearns. He is that good. Also, for the love of God, yes, Steve has the most money, but every team has a billionaire owner, and most could afford Otani to all the love, Raph. Yes, there's a lot of billionaire owners. In fact, the owner of the Oakland A's is a billionaire, and he treats that team like a piggy bank. So I get that. I go back to CC Sabathia. CC Sabathia was a free agent after the 2008 season, and the Yankees wanted him, and he didn't want the Yankees. And there were reports that CC Sabathia was calling other teams, specifically in California, to drum up interest. Because he did not want to go to the New York Yankees. But the Yankees persisted. And they persisted. And they persisted. And they did it with offers and whining and dining and pushing and pushing. And they finally got him. So I don't believe necessarily that, well, the agent didn't reach out. Like, that's a simple throwaway. That's it? The agent didn't reach out and we move on? And it also jumped out at me how quickly Cohen and the Mets were out there after Otani signed to immediately say that, almost as if it was like a damage control type of thing. Benji Horowitz writes, 
embarrassing take on Otani. I was very disappointed in your Otani take. This is up there with your quote, I no longer trust the franchise DeGrom after Jake left last year. Did I say that? (laughs) I probably did. I was pretty emotional. When the Mets got Steve Cohen, you know what I expected? An owner that would overhaul every aspect of the franchise development, analytics, scouting, and yes, of course, being in on the biggest free agents. But what you described as the caricature of what we were all expecting is essentially George Steinbrenner, which is not all that great. As a baseball historian yourself, you know as well as I do that George had plenty of flaws to go along with the great affinity for buying the best players. This is not what I personally expected nor wanted. When Cohen bought the team, I didn't want George Steinbrenner or Fred Wilpon, obviously. I wanted to be on in on the free agents while also keeping young talent and doing things the smart way. By the way, I agree with all of this so far. Like, the bad of George Steinbrenner, by the way, and I'll continue with the rest of Benji's email, was that he was firing guys year after year. Was that he had no patience and wanted to trade all his prospects. I haven't suggested any of that. I'm with Cohen on a lot of what he's done. The caricature I described in the last Rico is the caricature of a guy who wasn't going to take no for an answer from a free agent, who was going to walk into a room and say, here's all the money in the world. I want you as a player. So I never envisioned George Steinbrenner, especially the bad version of George Steinbrenner. Anyhow, Benji goes on. I thought you did too. The idea of keeping young talent and doing things the smart way which is why I was blown away by how awful a take this was. (laughs) Shohei Otani for $700 million isn't smart, not off a second Tommy John, not when the team is not ready, and not off a career year hitting-wise. In order for him to be worth it on the field, he needs to put up a 10 war every single year into his late 30s. I don't see that, do you? You wanted him to make the largest offer. Why? Just because he has it? That's Steinbrenner logic and not the good kind. I'm glad the Mets are operating this way. Think they'll be better off. Kind regards. All right, let me attack a couple of things on this. Number one, Otani was always going to get a contract that was never going to match the performance he was going to give you. Let me make that clear. You were never going to sign him, and he was never going to match that contract. I give, I give you a newsflash. This, as good as Aaron Judge is, do you think Aaron Judge is going to match the contract he just got over the course of nine years? No chance. No chance. Do you think Juan Soto is going to match the contract he's about to get? No chance. Very few guys match the contract they're about to get. So here's my big disagreement, Benji. You don't want to sign any free agent. If your attitude's going to be, there's no way you live up to that contract. Because nobody lives up to their contract. Unless you're getting Randy Johnson on a four-year deal and he's winning a Cy Young every year, no one does it. You have to know you're overpaying. Obviously, there was a lot of risk attached to Shohei Otani. But there's two things you left out. Number one, the business side of that contract. If you looked at Otani's contract simply as a performance-based contract, of course it was never going to be worth it. You as a franchise, whether you're the Dodgers, the Mets, or anybody else, is bringing a ton of that money back in advertisements, in ticket sales, in ratings. Otani is a moneymaker. So when you look at that number and you just say $700 million, how could you live up to that from a baseball statistical standpoint? Of course you can't. That's number one. Number two, the reward is what you're bidding on. 
And I think his timeline fits the Mets. He's not even pitching this year. If the Mets are trying to win in 2025, 2026, that's when if you're ever going to get the most of his pitching, that's when you're getting it, along with him being a big-time slugger. So I disagree with a lot of those three sentences. The contract, the war he has to put up, that it wasn't going to be a smart contract. I'm telling you right now, what contract are you going to hand out in free agency that you're going to say is smart over the life of it? Juan Soto is going to get 15 years and $600 million. Does that mean you're not interested? Because, wow, he's not going to be good at 36 or 37. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Anyhow, Jonathan's about to kill me too. And after Jonathan kills me, then Pete will get his shot. Jonathan writes, hey, Evan, big fan. Thanks for putting, by the way, I love everyone who wants to rip me by starting off by like buttering me up. (laughs) Big fan, thanks for putting up uh, a consistently great Mets pod. We appreciate that. Yours is not the only one I listen to, but it's the only, but it's the only I always listen to. Oh, I think that was a compliment. Yours is not the only one I listen to, but it's the only I always listen to. Oh, I get it. Hoff, you're great too. Sorry about calling your opinions terrible in my tweet. Apparently, this guy tweeted at you. One of the things I like about this pod is that you've taken on the mantle of being the voice of reason who talks us off the ledge when we're feeling our most angry. Hoff embodies the angst. It's a great setup. But that's why I was really surprised to hear your take on Cohen not bidding on Otani. First of all, from a business perspective, I don't think it's in Cohen's or the Mets' best interest to be the team that throws huge money at any player, regardless of mutual interest, just to see if he'll come. You're basically asking him to be like Robert Redford in a decent proposal. (laughs) It's a bad precedent and will definitely come around to bite us. Remember, he's the richest owner, but he's hardly the only rich owner. Also, let's talk about what the money buys. Sure, Otani's the best hitter in the game, who puts up massive numbers in 135 games. Judge's contract values Otani's offensive production around $40 million per year, maybe a little more since he's better. But what about the pitching? Well, he's very good, but how good? He's never made as many starts in a season as Kodai Senga made last year. Last year, they also had the same ERA plus at 142. Otani was better in 2022, but in five seasons, he's only had three where he pitched a substantial amount. Is that a $30 million a year pitcher? We pay Senga half that, and given his injuries, Don't we all think there's at least a reasonable chance he's just a very expensive bat for most of that contract? I just think the Mets fairly evaluate what they thought this guy was worth to them on the field. Probably a very high number, but then saw the market go well past that. 
The reason why we want smart people running our team is so they can make the right decisions about how to allocate our resources. I think Stearns and Cohen did that here. Thanks again. Let's sign Yamamoto. That's from John. I think that the risk that Otani brings is monumental, but the reward of doing both, of having one roster spot and one player who can be Aaron Judge offensively and similar to Kodai Senga pitching-wise is more valuable than I think John is giving credit for. Now, Pete Hoffman, you heard this in John's email. He thinks you're the negative Met fan, and certainly earlier on in this pod you were, and I'm the more balanced, reasonable guy. For whatever reason, when it comes to Otani and Cohen, we have reversed roles, and I was surprised because when I saw Pete the other day, and he, of course, produced the podcast even if he wasn't on it, said, Evan, you're very wrong. Why am I wrong about the pursuit and lack thereof of Shohei Otani? Well, first off, I'd like to say that I'm a big fan and I love what you do, Ev. And, uh, you know, thank you for, for always. <laughs> <laughs> but you're wrong. Now, here's the thing is, Evan, I, I do love you, actually. This is the worst take I've ever heard in my life because... Worst, worst ever? Like, what do we, yeah, yes. why do we go to that extreme? Because Steve Cohen is not going to be a used dog, okay? He's not in this to be used. And you're talking about now, two years in a row, the biggest free agent was trying to use other teams to jack up their price. Aaron Judge last year jacked it up with the Arson Judge news going to San Francisco. The Toronto Blue Jays were the team that were jacking up the price to make it the Dodgers had to go to 700 mil. There was never a chance in hell that it was always the Dodgers. It was as easy as that. You're telling me Steve Cohen could have offered him a billion dollars and he'd be like, you know what? It's not going to happen, but thank you because now I could use that with the Dodgers and they'll they'll boost it to a, a 1.2. Why is that bad? Why would it be bad for the Dodgers to spend more because the Mets up the price? Why is that bad? Well, first of all, what does it really accomplish for us? Nothing. We still don't get anything. Yes, the Dodgers still have to pay more, but they'll do it anyway. We're we're living in a baseball world where there's there's no salary cap. They can do what they want. It doesn't make a difference, Steve Cohen tax or not. Slash, I'm telling you right now, Steve Cohen, the man he is, does not like to lose. Does not like to be used. So we're embarrassed. If that's what happens, if he's his name is being thrown around with Otani and he doesn't win, that's why everything has always been so low key. He does not want to lose. You might be able to lose. You might lose in the regular season. He's not going to lose for top free agents. I don't think you could have that attitude though, man, because you're going to lose a lot of free agents. I mean, not everybody's going to pick your team. Like we're going to find out if they lose or win Yamamoto in the next couple of days or, or maybe weeks. But I don't think you should be afraid of losing it. I don't see the negative in being used to bring up a price. That means someone else, and in the Dodgers case, a competitor, or at least a team that you hope is a competitor, has to spend more. I don't see the negative to that. Make them spend more. Because having the Dodgers spend more on Shohei Otani, if it ever came to that, could keep them from signing someone else. Let's say Yoshinabu Yamamoto, a guy you're going after. So I don't see that as being some kind of negative. And look, my point overall was not that the Mets should have outbid the LA Dodgers. My point was I envisioned an owner that was going to try 
that was at least going to enter and force his way into that conversation. Don't confuse what I said into thinking they had to outbid the Dodgers to get him. It was disappointing that they were never even in the conversation, that the spin we got when Otani signed last Saturday was A, the agent never called me, that's from Cohen, and then B, the report of it got too expensive for them. They thought the price got out of whack. Like, that that just seemed like instant spin. I wanted them to be involved in it, not necessarily offer a billion dollars and outbid LA for him. Right, but here's the thing. So there's this misnomer that he's going to outbid everybody. Like if there's a top prospect, he's going to, or not top prospect, top free agent, he's going to outbid. And if he doesn't, then what is this whole big bad Steve Cohen thing? What is his uncle Steve? The, 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 the aura of Steve Cohen is fading slowly about being a big bad wolf. It really is. And if by, by not even putting in a bid is bad for you, other people will be like, well, you didn't put in enough. How did you not put in, you know, well, 800 so, million? Pete, then what happens if they don't get Yamamoto? I mean, it, it, he may lose out on Yamamoto even with having the highest offer. And if your point is true, he doesn't want to lose. Well, how, what's he going to do? Is he going to be angry? Is he going to be embarrassed? How's Met fans going to take it? I don't know what my Met fellow Met fans going to react to certain things because I've been rational of if they lose out on Yamamoto and they made the highest offer, who the hell am I supposed to be mad at? You went out and you made the highest offer. So I think some of these guys who are writing me saying you're wrong on Otani may turn on Cohen for that saying, well, it should have been higher. <laughs> if it was 320, it should have been 370. I don't know what our expectation now is. I just wanted to be involved in the conversation. There was one guy who emailed who agreed with me, so that was nice. That's Fred. Fred writes, Steve the tease. <laughs> I feel like we're being teased with Cohen's money. What's the point of having a billionaire owner if he's not willing to flex his monetary muscles? Granted, he spent on Scherzer and Verlander, and he used his money to restock the farm system, but it's unforgivable not to make an offer to a generational player like Shohei Otani. How does Cohen flippantly offer Correa $315 million a year, but not even make a serious offer to Otani? Go hard after him the way you're going after Yamamoto. Make Otani say no to three quarters of a billion dollars. With the Wilpons, we knew they were dead in the water after Madoff. The big splash was Todd Frazier, maybe even Jay Bruce if we're lucky. Cohen was supposed to change the narrative, and while he has spent money, it's certainly not fair to call him Wilpon 2.0, he didn't push his chips in the game for the best and most marketable player. For a guy who loves to collect art, Uncle Stevie missed out on the Mona Lisa. Carlos Correa. I'm glad he brought up Carlos Correa. We all knew. That day when we were excited, thinking the Mets signed Carlos Correa, we all knew it was a stupid contract. We did. We, we all knew. You kidding me? You're giving a guy who's a g very good player. That's what Carlos Correa is. He's a very good player. You're giving this guy $315 million, and all of us reacted by saying, who cares? It's not our money. We're better. Now it sounds as if Met fans want to be financially responsible, and they're mad at me for suggesting, why even bother with a generational player? Carlos Correa is not a pimple on the fanny of Shohei Otani. He's not even close. And yet when we thought Steve Cohen was Steve Cohen and bought Correa for $300 million, 
I didn't hear anybody criticizing the contract. It was, I wasn't, and I knew it was bad. It was just, hey, we got a great player. This is fantastic. Uh, by the way, there's a lot more emails of people mad at me, but I think we got to a few. We made the point. I don't want to reiterate this over and over again. Here's the good news uh, to the Mets fans out there. We disagree. We move on. He's not coming here. Oh, Don, he's not a Met. It's not one of those debates that lasts forever. Uh, it was one of those times we disagreed. And I can promise you this. It won't be the last. If it was our first disagreement, that's great. It will not be our last because sometimes I surprise myself. I, I genuinely feel certain ways and I can't predict how I'm going to feel. When I got the news on Saturday afternoon about Otani and I read what Cohen said and I read the reports, I was genuinely pissed off. I was angry. And so I expressed it on the Rico. I expressed it on the air and I clearly saw that most people thought I was nuts and that's okay. That's all right. It's genuinely how I feel. It's how I feel a week later. Maybe a few weeks from now, I'll change my tune. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe enough time will go by, Pete, where I'm like, ah, Cohen, he's a brilliant man. He was smart. What, well, when you saw the report yesterday, because I didn't hear it live on air, about Otani with the deferred money, what was your reaction to that? Because that, to me, that, that was a punch to the gut, dude. I, I, you know, I'm going to surprise you with this. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care for a few reasons. So the CBT got manipulated a little bit, but the CBT is manipulated a lot. We've seen that a lot over the years and what the average salary is going to be. It's not always what you think it's going to be. And his CBT number is still in the 40s. So let's not act like the Dodgers have a competitive, talent, a competitive balance tax of $2 million for him. That's not the case. So his CBT is still really, really high. So we put that aside. It may not be $70 million, but it's still pretty high. As far as the deferred money is concerned, yes, it sounds crazy that they're only paying him $2 million a year. But you're robbing Paul to pay Peter. Is that the phrase? Rob Paul to pay Peter? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you may be no. only paying him two. It's not. It's not Rob. Robbing to pay. Peter to pay Paul. Rob. This is why you're so valuable, man. Like, I think when I was doing the Rico by myself, I couldn't figure out rabbit's tail. And I kept, or, you know, rabbit's foot. And I kept calling it rabbit's tail. And yeah, we got a few emails to the Rico saying, hey, schmucky, it's called rabbit's foot, not rabbit's tail. The hell's wrong with you? That was from Robert, by the way. He was the one who wrote that. Robert's foot, schmuck, not Robert's tail. He didn't write the schmuck part. I just added that. So. Let me get back to this. So you're robbing Peter to pay Mary? No, robbing Peter to pay Paul, pay right? Paul. You may be only paying him $2 million a year, and that seems crazy. But guys, eventually they have to pay him $68 million a year. And that's going to be long after he's gone. We make fun of the Bobby Bonilla contract. This is Bobby Bonilla on steroids. So I... It doesn't really annoy me. Now, I admit, Hoff, because I know this is what you're thinking and a lot of people are thinking that if Steve Cohen had done this, baseball would have gone nuts. Some in the media would have gone nuts. Baseball, I agree with you. I am not disputing that there's a double standard that even Hal would have had too, by the way. If the Yankees did that, same thing. They would have faced a lot of backlash. The Dodgers, for whatever reason, don't face that backlash. But I don't know. It just it doesn't bother me. 
Look, it says a lot about Otani that he feels he's making so much money right now. He's okay with deferring that kind of money. Most people would not defer that kind of money. You think Juan Soto is going to defer that kind of money next year? Very few guys do. Like, there are deferred payments, and there's been deferred payments in baseball for a long time. Like, look at the Nationals and what they're paying Max Scherzer for the next 50 years. But what Otani did was so beyond. So, what's my reaction to it? I think a lot of people are freaking out. It is what it is. The Dodgers were creative, and they convinced the, or the guy convinced the Dodgers, because this really came from Otani, hey, I'm making enough money. Let's defer the payments. And it benefits everybody except the Dodgers in 20 years. Think about that. When we're doing the Rico in 20 years, Pete, and we're breaking down the Dodger payroll, and, they're, oh, they, and they owe Shohei Otani $68 million, and he's not even playing for them, we're going to have a good laugh. Yeah, but they're going to make so much money over the next 10 years that they could, that it's not even going to be a problem. And, and the other thing, too, is it really bothers me, and not just the fact that if Steve Cohen did this exact thing, they made such a stink when Steve Cohen came in the league. They put in the quote-unquote Steve Cohen luxury tax. Like, they went above and beyond to make sure people like Steve Cohen couldn't spend that way. And then this type of loophole is available. It just – I understand that in 20 years, yeah, Dodgers may be hurting. But for right now, I mean, they could steal the show. Yeah, but there's no one else that teams are going to be able to do this with. So I've heard this idea of they got to change the CBA – I don't think they have to change the CBA. Again, what free agent is in the unique position that Otani is in which he's making so much money in endorsements that he'd be willing or even insisting, hey, I want to defer all my money to 20 years from now. I think it's a real rarity. I think a lot of things about Otani were rare and unique and we won't see it again. Good for the Dodgers, man. I'm jealous. I I mean, that's the truth. I wish the Mets were able to sign a guy like that, have them defer 98% of their money. It would have been great. And right now, the Dodgers, they're in the National League, but they feel like they're in such a different league. They feel, not that they're unbeatable, because I don't think they're unbeatable, but they're a National League Western Division team. We battle them six times a year. I don't know. It's just they feel so foreign. That's why I, I really only get worried with NLE's teams making moves. Like, when moves are made, I think more about that. By the way, speaking of moves, Seth Lugo's off the board. Seth Lugo signed a two-year potential third-year contract in Kansas City. He's making $15 million a year. My God. And Jung-Ho Lee, who I thought would have been an interesting option coming over from the KBO, we talked about him as a left-field option, signed a contract with the San Francisco Giants. So two potential Met targets, boom, off the board. We got a lot more to get to in the next couple of days and weeks. Already starting to get a lot of feedback on the one-year wonder Met edition that's coming up real soon. And we'll take more of your ideas on a random Met game that we should all watch. But the game I'm putting on the table right now for you to watch during the holidays or whenever whenever you have time off, it's a bad one, is Game 7 of the 2006 NLCS. That'll be our rewatch, a classic rewatch during this offseason. But again, we appreciate all the feedback, good or bad, thericob at gmail.com, thericob at gmail.com. We appreciate you listening and downloading another edition of Rico Bro. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.